And welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. I'll be your host today. Today we're actually talking about uh, week number four here in the NFL. And uh, without further ado, we'll actually go ahead and jump right into it here. Uh, The first game of the week was the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Cincinnati Bengals here. Um, I thought this was an incredible football game. I thought it was a lot closer than um, what many people would anticipate. And really, I was really impressed a lot with, um, you know, what the number one overall pick was able to do here. Trevor Lawrence he looked good in the pocket, didn't throw any interceptions. He was 17 of 24, 204, um, had a big game from James Robinson, who had the two touchdowns, 18 rushes for 78 yards there. Um, you know, he's got some plays that were made there in the receiving game as well. Um, and actually, J- Jacksonville, they had this game, but Joe Burrow was just a lot better there, and the Bengals were a lot better here in the second half. Joe Burrow uh, eclipses the 250 mark. I know that was one thing that was talked about coming in. Threw for 348, two touchdowns there um, on the day. And Tyler Boyd comes in with the nine receptions, 118 yards there. And uh, the tight end here has two touchdowns um, on the day. A big day for the tight end here for the Cincinnati Bengals. So, um, just kind of looking at this game again, it was a lot closer than many people thought. I thought Cincinnati came out um, flat, or maybe it was just Jacksonville. Actually, you got to give them credit; they played very good on the defensive end. Um, Made a lot of plays. You know, we're definitely eating up the clock and everything like that, making it tough for Joe Burrow and those guys. But you know, once Joe Burrow and those guys got it going, um, it was pretty much lights out. And uh, it was an epic field goal win there for the Cincinnati Bengals. So a good win there for the Bengals. I think that Jacksonville, although they're 0-4, I think that they're going to get better. Um, and you can definitely see the growth there from week one um, to now week four. Next up here, uh, the next game is the Washington football team versus the Atlanta Falcons here. So Washington pulls this one out 34-30. to uh, looked a bit scary there if you were the Washington faithful here as Atlanta was up in this football game. Um, key things to look at here is Tyler Hinkie comes back with three touchdowns, no interceptions here today, uh, 23 of 33. You had Antonio Gibson get into the end zone. Um, Hinkie had 43 yards on the ground as well. And then uh, you look at Terry McLaurin, um, he had six receptions, 123 yards. McKissick, five receptions, 44 yards there. And uh, on the other side of the ball, Matt Ryan, four touchdowns, 25 of 42 there. Um, You know, and pretty much that was it for Atlanta for the most part. So, you know, Washington, it's been an up and down kind of year for them. Um, I know that they've been giving up some big plays and things like that. You know, Quadis is kept here. They're actually two and two here. They're right there in the thick of things in the NFC East. Um, you know, Tyler Hinkey, I think Washington's still kind of looking for that consistency out of the quarterback position here. This is another good start for him. I think this game and the Giants were certainly one of his better games here. And this is the kind of offensive effort that uh, Washington is going to need here. Um, with Atlanta, we talked about it before. They're one and three. They're going to struggle. They don't have a whole bunch of playmakers around Matt Ryan. And you knew this was going to happen here. So big win for Washington to stay up here in the NFC East and uh, a tough win again if you're an Atlanta fan. Next up, the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans here. Not a whole bunch to talk about here except for the Buffalo Bills putting up 40 um, against the Houston Texans here. And 
to me, I think this is more about Buffalo starting to really catch its drive. Uh, this offense was very dangerous last year, but I think that we're now starting to see that uh, Josh Allen is actually taking um, another leap or another level here in his in his in his quarterback play. Um, 20 of 29. I know he did throw the interception, but two touchdowns there uh, in the air. Then it looks like he basically was able to come here um, and just get a lot of guys involved like Stefan Diggs, seven receptions, 114 yards. You had Emmanuel Samuels, five for 74. Um, Dawson Knox got two touchdowns on the day, five for 37 for him. Uh, Josh Allen himself had 41 yards on the ground here. So um, just a big effort, a big effort here for Buffalo. Um, they continue to look dominant, really, um, after that week one loss there. They're three and one here, um, you know, first in the AFC East and looking really good. Houston really struggling here. Um, you know, they're expected to struggle, especially now that they have a rookie quarterback and everything else going on there. Um, so this was expected with Houston and uh, really looking good for the Bills moving forward. Next up here, the Dallas Cowboys uh, taking care of the Carolina Panthers here uh, at home, 36 to 28 here. The story here is what Ezekiel Elliott was able to do. If you've been looking at the Cowboys over the last couple of seasons here, Ezekiel Elliott really struggled when Dak Prescott went down um, and actually struggled here at the beginning of the year as well. But since then, he's actually picked it up. I mean, this is probably his best game, I'm going to say, in probably a year and a half here. Uh, 20 rushes, 143 yards, and a touchdown as well. Um, and then to add on to that, uh, Tony Pollard had 67 yards on 10 rushes as well. You get a touchdown from Amari Cooper. You get a touchdown from Dalton Schultz. Uh, Cedric Wilson got into the end zone. And Blake Jarwin as well. So, um, look, the offense is starting to click here. You know, Dak Prescott very efficient here. 14 of 22, four touchdowns. They're getting back to that balanced kind of offense that Dallas had when they were dominant. Uh, probably back in like 2017, 2018, I think. Um, when Ezekiel Elliott first came onto the scene here. So, Looking really good there if you are a Cowboy fan here. Um, they're definitely, you know, looking good here in the NFC East. Uh, I think, you know, I anticipated that they would be up there. Um, you know, right now they're sitting pretty, pretty right here in the division. Um, and, you know, I just, I like what they have going on here, especially if Ezekiel Elliott can continue to do what he can do. Uh, Sam Darnold, on the other hand, two touchdowns, two INTs. Um... DJ Moore had a big one, eight receptions, 113 yards, and uh, two touchdowns for him. I think that this was a, still a good game for uh, the Panthers to put up 28 points, um, especially if they don't have uh, McCaffrey out there, who obviously is, has been injured over the last couple years here, and you know he's obviously going to miss some time here with the hamstring and everything like that. And I think this is more about can Carolina just hold it together. I mean, yes, it was a tough loss. But they were right there, and they're 3-1, and one, and I think that this defense is legit, and I think that Carolina could possibly be in there if they can just hold on um, until they can get McCaffrey's back um, in the backfield. Next up here, you have the Indianapolis Colts versus the Miami Dolphins here. Um, I expected the Indianapolis Colts to win this one. I know Miami's been struggling uh, definitely there from an offensive standpoint here. But I think the story of the game here is the fact that they were able to get Jonathan Taylor going 
Uh, many people really anticipated him kind of doing his thing um, in fantasy football and really expecting him to take an elite step here. Um, it was a little scary here early because he was on the, the injury report with the knee, uh, but 16 for 103 here and a touchdown for him. Uh, Carson Wentz probably looked the best he's looked in a while. Two touchdowns on 24-32, uh, looking pretty good there. So, I mean, they got some good production from those two players, and uh, defensively they were able to um, minimize the Dolphins and really kind of getting things going here. Although I have liked what Jacoby Brissett has done here, um, you know, taking over for two or so. He did have two touchdowns on 20 of 30 attempts here. So, um you know, a good win for the Colts. You know, now they're they're steadily here. They're they're on the winning board here at one and three. Um, you know, I don't think that anybody's necessarily running away here in the AFC East, other than the Bills. But you know, I think the Colts, if they could just kind of get comfortable and kind of string it together here, they might be there at the the thick of things towards the end. Uh, next up here, our next game that we want to talk about here is the Cleveland Browns versus the Minnesota Vikings here. I anticipated a lot more points on the board, and I also anticipated that uh, Odell Beckham was going to have a bigger game than he did, actually, but um, wasn't the case. Wasn't the case. It was really like kind of a ball control kind of game. Uh, Baker Mayfield didn't really play that well. He was 15 of 33, 155, but, you know, Nick Chubb has been uh, very consistent on the ground. He had 100 on 21 rushes. He had Kareem Hunt get a touchdown as well. Um and they took care of business. Uh, they really took care of business. Um, you know, Odell Beckham only two catches for 27 yards here. But, you know, they pretty much uh, grounded Minnesota to a pulp here and minimized Kirk Cousins. He only had a touchdown, 203 yards, had an INT. They took away Delvin Cooks, who only had 34 yards. Matson had 20 as well. Um, Justin Jefferson did have a pretty good game with the touchdown in the 6 of 84. But uh, that was about it. So, you know, it was a good defensive game here for Cleveland. They moved to three and one. Minnesota one and three here. Tough loss um, for the Minnesota Vikings. Next up here, you have the New York Giants and the New Orleans Saints here. How about a gutsy win in overtime here? I know the Giants have lost a bunch of close wins here lately. The last couple weeks, they've been on the cusp, but they come in and get the game-winning score here from Saquon Barkley to win 27-21 in New Orleans, moving them back to two and two here. Um, you know, big game for Saquon. I think, you know, he took a big step forward. I know, yes, he only rushed for 52 yards there, but, you know, he did have five receptions for 74 yards there. So, you know, it's a combined 100-yard effort here, you know, and he had a touchdown there um, in the air, and he also had a touchdown on the ground. So that's a, a really, really huge sign uh, of good things to come for the Giants if he can stay healthy here. You know, that helps out Daniel Jones a lot, who had two touchdowns, 402 and 9T here. Um, you know, you can see the the balance when Saquon is, is right. And so it was good for the Giants to get a win here. Um, they're now up to 1-3 and three here, a big win that they needed to kind of stand to the NFC East race. Um, on the other side of things, you know, you had a good win from Alvin Kamari, 26 for 120 for him. Um and then you also had Jameis Winston had a touchdown on 17 of 23, but just not enough to kind of pull this thing out here as uh, New Orleans falls the 27 to 21 to the uh, New York Giants here. Next up here, taking a look at the uh, big game board who we had. 
we had the Tennessee Titans versus the New York Jets here. This was a shocker as well. Um, I, I was shocked that New York actually came back in this one. Uh, they looked pretty dead in the water here. Um, but to come back and win this game here was gutsy. Uh, I know they're 1-3, but to, to beat a tough Tennessee Titans team here, I know they're without A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, but um, this is a very winnable game. You know, Derrick Henry went for 157 yards on the ground, and they had a touchdown here and still were not able to win the game. Uh, Tannehill did generate a touchdown in the air, but he had to throw 49 times. On the other side of the ball here, it might have been the rookie's best effort, Zach Wilson. He had 21 for 34, two touchdowns for him. And how about the former Titan, uh, Corey Davis, four receptions, 111 yards, and a touchdown for him. Jamison Crowder getting back into it off the injury list. He had a touchdown as well. So um, gutsy performance here for the Jets to pull this one out, 27-24. A very disappointing loss here for the Titans. I think a lot of people thought that they were going to be a lot better than what they are. Um, yes, the jury is still out on them. You know, we'll have to see what happens when they return back from injury. Next up, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles here. Um, this was a runaway. You know, it just got to a point where you knew that the Eagles probably weren't going to be able to match the Kansas City Chiefs with the scores. But, uh, you know, it, it was a typical Patrick Mahomes, uh, Tyreek Hill effort here. Um, you know, I know Travis Kelsey didn't do a whole bunch, which was a shocker. He only had 23 yards on four receptions here. But the big story was Tariq Hill, um, 11 receptions, 186 yards, and three touchdowns here. Uh, absolutely just kind of lit up the secondary here. Uh, Mahomes, 24 of 35 touchdowns, did have an INT. They had Clyde to Edwards O'Leary have 14 for 102. Um, and get in with a score there. So it's probably one of the best outputs that, you know, he's had on the ground and he looked very good here. Um, on the other side of the ball, Jalen Hurts looked good in 387, two touchdowns here, 47 yards on the ground. But uh, the big story here that I like is the fact that Devontae Smith here, um, the highly talented wide receiver out of Alabama, you know, he only had a hundred and I think six, seven yards coming into this one. Had seven receptions for 122 yards here. Uh, really proved that he could definitely get things done here. Um, so I really, really liked uh, what he was able to do here. And uh, I think that this is a good sign here for the Eagles uh, moving forward. I think that they're definitely a work in progress. But this is very good that Jalen Hurts is able to get on the same page here. Um, with his key wide receiver. Next up here, you have the Arizona Cardinals versus the Los Angeles Rams here. So in this situation, uh, Arizona takes care of business against the Rams at home, uh, 37 to 20 here. Um, very impressed with what Kyler Murray was able to do. Um, it felt like pretty much Arizona dominated this football game, even though you know, the scoreboard shows maybe it was a little bit closer than what it, what it was. But, you know, Chase Edmonds had an absolute outburst, 12 rushes, 120 yards. I mean, he continued to gash the Rams, um, which was uncharacteristic here. Um, James Conner again. Yes, I know he had 50 yards, but he's been a touchdown hog lately. Um, he had two last week as well. So really starting to uh, show his value inside the goal line here. So it's it's a nice combination that they have here of running backs. 
uh, behind Kyler Murray. And then you look at the resurgence here of A.J. Green. He's looked good here for the last couple weeks. Uh, five receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown here. I know that they did have DeAndre Hopkins out there, but he's been injured. And so uh, that's why you bring a guy like A.J. Green over there. That's why you got Christian Kirk and these guys like that to, to help you, um, you know, when your key guys are a little injured here. You know, on the other side of the ball, Matthew Stafford kind of came down to earth a little bit here. 26 of 41, 280, two touchdowns and an INT here. They did get uh, Daryl Henderson Jr. back, rushed for 89 yards here. Van Jefferson Jr., a big game. Uh, Robert Woods had a touchdown. Um, but they really didn't get too much from Cooper Cobb, only five receptions for 64 yards here. So, um, now, I just think that it pretty much Arizona did an incredible job of running their stuff, uh, being the explosive offense that a lot of people thought that they would be. Um, you know, as far as generating turnovers and things like that, they were able to do so as well. So kind of putting Stafford in an uncomfortable situation here. So um, that's just what it is. And Arizona's 4-0 and the Rams 3-1, two very good football teams and a very competitive NFC West. Um, so taking a look here next up, we have the Seattle Seahawks versus the San Francisco 49ers. So the key in this one is that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo goes down with another injury here. Um, and Trey Lance had to come in. He did have two touchdowns uh, coming into this thing. And, you know, you had a very good output from Trey Sermon, 19 rushes, 89 yards here. Uh, seven rushes for 41 yards from Trey Lance here. So, um, you know, this is a tough situation. Uh, Debo Samuel, eight receptions, 156 yards. This may put the, the Trey Lance uh, project ahead of schedule uh, because if this is another major injury for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's missed some major time over the last couple seasons with injuries, um, this might be the segue for Trey Lance. And this is... A good football team. They're at two and two. I know that they lost a tough one here to the Seahawks, um, who were two and two as well. But um, you know, Russell Wilson, those guys had to earn it. You know, two touchdowns for him. You had Alex Collins come in here and rush ten rushes, forty-four yards, and a touchdown there. Um, well, I was actually shocked he outrushed Chris Carson there. DK Metcalf four for sixty-five. Uh, Tyler Lockett coming in a little banged up, four for for twenty-four. So. Um, Seattle just gets it done you know Seattle gets it done you know that they have a lot of firepower here you know they're going to struggle defensively because they've lost a lot of players over the years and um, if you're a San Francisco 49er fan um, you're on the edge of your seat at this point you know you're excited for Trey Lance you're disappointed that Jimmy Garoppolo has gone down and you're hoping that the 49ers can just hold on and not really go into what the situation was last year where they lost a bunch of players to the IR. Um, so you're hoping that that's not the case if you're a San Francisco 49er fan. Next up, uh, the Baltimore Ravens pretty much route the Denver Broncos 23-7. And really mainly here in this situation, uh, the, the takeaway here is Denver does fall to 3-1. But more importantly, Teddy Bridgewater was lost in this one due to um, a concussion. And this is going to be the issue with Denver. I feel like if, if Teddy Bridgewater is uh, injured at any point in the season and misses time, Denver is going to struggle. Denver really hasn't had a good quarterback since Peyton Manning left. Uh, they still haven't really gone out and drafted a great quarterback. 
and this is more so um this, this can work with Teddy Bridgewater, but, you know, is it a long-term solution? I don't think so. You know, I think this is something where John Elway and those guys are really going to have to go out there. And at some point, they're going to have to find a franchise quarterback. But um, this is tough because I know, you know, Teddy Bridgewater has taken some concussions and, and nicks like this over the years. Um, you hope it's not anything serious. You hope he's able to get back out there. And you hope that Denver is able to continue on with this kind of Cinderella story here as it is because uh, they've struggled. They've really struggled over the last couple of years, but I think that they're really starting to turn the corner with the quarterback play. On the other side of the ball, um, questionable was Lamar Jackson, but did play, had 316 yards, a touchdown, 28 yards on the ground there. Uh, you had Latavius Murray get in for the touchdown as well on the ground. Uh, you had Marquise Brown, um, you know, Hollywood, four receptions, 91 yards there. Um, Mark Andrews, five for 67 as well. So, um, you know, pretty much the Ravens just kind of took care of business, three and one. Um, and, you know, they just, that's the, the bottom line. They take care of business and they won a game that uh, they were supposed to win. Next up, uh, the Green Bay Packers versus the Pittsburgh Steelers here. So the Steelers have really struggled uh, offensively here. Ben Roethlisberger just didn't look right. They fall to one and three, uh, three and one for Green Bay after that rough opening day start here. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers was fantastic. 20 of 36, two touchdowns there for him. A.J. Dillon, 81 yards on the ground. Um, you look at Randall Cobb. He had quite a day, two touchdowns on the day. First time I think he's had multiple receiving touchdowns in the game since like 2016 or 2017. I forget what that stat was. And actually outgained Devontae Adams in the air, which was, was very interesting. But, um, you know, hey, this is more a story of, look, Aaron Rodgers still has a lot left in the tank. I don't know why you don't go out and go get the offensive weapons that he needs or whatever he needs uh, on this team to be a winning team. Um, I do probably think it was a little disrespectful that they went out and got a quarterback in Jordan Love, which is what this is all about. And if this is his last year with the, the Green Bay Packers, it's, it's kind of sad. But I think that um, whatever Aaron Rodgers does in this season, next or so on and so on, I think he's definitely going to show not only this franchise, but the world that he can still play at a high level. And I think that this is really starting to kick in here for him this season as he's now looked good here um, in three consecutive weeks now. So next on the other side of the ball, sorry. Najee Harris has a big day. Um, he has 15 rushes, 62 yards, and a touchdown there. Um, and he also had six receptions for 29 yards here. So to me, I think Najee Harris, um, he, he's probably, I think, the best uh, the best uh, weapon here on Pittsburgh's offense. You know, the problem is they've been anemic there from the wide receiver position. Uh, Dante Johnson did have 92 yards and a touchdown. I knew he would probably get a good share of targets here, um, especially with Claypool being out. Juju Smith-Schuster has continued to struggle. Uh, James Washington struggled. Um, you know, Ben had an interception, and he wasn't very efficient, 26 of 40 here. Uh, defensively, I think Pittsburgh's fine. I just think that they get into some trouble offensively, and once they kind of get down, um, the team is not really built to put up a whole bunch of points here. And so um, it's a tough start here, you know, for Pittsburgh. This is the most rookies that I think that they've started. 
um, since like 93 or something like that. I think that's what that statistic was. So they're one and three. It shows they're a young football team and you hope that, uh, you know, you hope they can grow and you hope they can hang in there and maybe at least, at least give themselves a chance in a wild card situation. And, uh, the last game of the week here uh, probably had the biggest storyline, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots here. So, look, Tampa Bay moves to three and one in this one. Uh, New England down to one and three. And um, the key here, or what was very interesting to me, is New England was actually winning this football game, and it took a late drive, um, you know, for. Uh, the Buccaneers to, to put some points on the board to go ahead, but um, New England had a chance. They had a chance to win. Uh, Nick Folks misses a field goal here late, um, but it was raining. Um, he did come in questionable with, a, a, I think, a plant leg situation or something like that, but listen, Mac Jones looked good, 31 of 40, two touchdowns. He did have an INT, but um, he looked poised in the pocket. He, and, you know, as shown on the telecast, he's running a lot of the plays and a lot of the stuff that Josh McDaniels ran when Tom Brady was there. Um, I think this is something that um, they're, they're back to the script. I think they kind of got away from that when Cam Newton was there for the year. Um, but, hey, they were able to open it up in the air. I know they struggled on the ground. That was probably... Um, one of their biggest downfalls is they never got a chance to really kind of uh, grind into the, the, the Buccaneers that way. But, you know, they were able to kind of exploit them in the air um, and they did lose some more corners and things like that in this game. And uh, on the other side of the ball, you know, the GOAT, uh, whatever you want to call him, Tom Brady, 22 of 43. I know, you know, he had to have a whole bunch of emotions in this one. Didn't throw a touchdown, didn't throw a pick, didn't play great, didn't play poor, um, but he was even. He was even, and when the game needed him to make plays, uh, he made plays for the Buccaneers, and that's just, that's what it is, and that's what winners do. Um, Leonard Fournette, he's looked very good here, 20 of 91 on the ground. Um, he did have three receptions for 47 yards. You had Mike Evans seven for 75 Antonio Brown had a really good one seven for 63 Chris Godwin uh three for 55 very quiet there on the evening and um yeah I mean this is one of those things where hey, the, this was Tom Brady coming back to New England for maybe the first or last time we don't know um but you know it's a gamut of emotions got the applause and everything like that before the start of the game and then Obviously, he was a visiting quarterback from that point on, but um, I was very impressed with the way he took care of business, the way he um, made it more about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than himself, and that's kind of that's kind of speaks to the volumes of, of who Tom Brady is here. So, very very impressed with uh, what he was able to do here. So, and then lastly, I, I know we have a game going on here Monday night as we speak, and that's the. Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders here. Um, both very good football teams right now. The Chargers are up here 14 to nothing. Um, you know, the the Raiders come in 3-0. You have um, the Chargers at 2-1. I think these are both very good football teams here. Um, I had Justin Hubert from a fantasy standpoint. I'm thinking that he was going to have a pretty good game, and he is right now. Uh, he has two touchdowns on 117 yards, and you have Eckler, seven rushes for 48 yards here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for the most part, that's really been it. 
not a whole bunch going on for the Raiders right now. Um, you know, Waller only has one reception for 21 yards. Uh, Derek Carr only has 52 yards. And I think the story right now is that <clears throat> the Chargers are putting a lot of pressure on Derek Carr, making it very uncomfortable for him in the pocket. And, you know, this passing game is predicated on the fact that Derek Carr has to get time in the pocket. And he also has to have a solid run game. And to me, you know, when I'm looking at Josh Jacobs here coming back off the ankle, he doesn't quite look himself. I mean, he has five rushes for 10 yards here. But I think maybe in the second half, I, I think that, you know, it bode well for the Raiders to probably look a little bit more into using um, Barber there on the the uh, the running front. Because I think Peyton Barber probably is going to give you some fresher legs here. Um, he certainly looked spry, I think, about a week or two ago here when he rushed for 100 yards. But I think that that might be an adjustment that you see here moving into the second half. Um, I think the game's going to become a lot closer than what it is right now. Um, I do feel like the Raiders are going to pick it up here. Um, and it's tough to pick against the Raiders right now. It really is. But if it comes down to a tight game, I, I know that the Raiders have been able to pull it out. But I know the Chargers also... They had had those couple years where they had been into tight football games, poor clock management, and all that great stuff. But I think that they've taken the turn past this thing. Um, I like this being a 28-21 ball game um, in favor of the Chargers. We'll see what happens here. I know that we're going into halftime here with about uh, 4 minutes and 11 seconds to go here. But that's that's kind of my prediction um, moving forward here. Um so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the show for the most part. I know that we have some exciting um, basketball coming up here on October the 20th. I think things are slated to start. But one topic I do want to talk about before we get off the show here, it's got to be um, the Ben Simmons deal, right? The Sixers reportedly withhold 25% of Ben Simmons' salary amidst the holdout. Um this is a very interesting situation because I have personally saw Ben Simmons play uh, dating back to his rookie season um, in the summer league out in Las Vegas and everything like that. And I also got a chance to see some of his games in LSU and stuff like that. And, you know, the story remains with Ben Simmons is the fact that he still never really developed into a jump shooter. And it's it's very interesting to me because you think about how much the Sixers have put into this guy and the, you know how much they've invested into him and stuff like that. And you're hearing reports that um, he essentially wants the offense to be built around him. And he's reportedly upset the fact that Joel Embiid camps in the lane, supposedly. And, you know, and, you know, you hear Joel Embiid's story and Joel Embiid is saying that, you know, he's saying something along the lines that, hey, they got rid of Jimmy Butler in favor of uh, Ben Simmons and stuff like that. And I'd have to dig a little bit more into this situation, but um, I don't think this bodes well. You know, two things here. So with Ben Simmons, I think his trade value, number one, is very much down. Um, you're looking at a player that... To me, he's missed a lot of games due to injuries um, and, and little ailments and things like that. And in the games where you really need him the most, I'm talking about the playoff moments where they need him the most, he shrunk. 
he shrank. Um, you know, he hasn't been able to, to, to really put up consistent double figures. Um, shots are available. He's not taking those shots and being aggressive. And to me, I just think that if you're going to develop an offense around a player, um, you got to be a lot more aggressive than that. I, I mean, you've got to be a bona fide superstar in the sense that you can go out and you can get buckets or, you know, you essentially change the course of the game. And I just, I don't see that, you know, they shipped off Martel's folks and everything like that and tried to play him and it just didn't work. And now there's no way I'm giving up Joel Embiid and there's no way I'm changing Joel Embiid's game. I love what Joel Embiid does. In fact, I wish Joel Embiid would go inside more, but the bottom line is the game is not necessarily played where you're just penetrating the lane and you're going up for layups at this point. You know, you have to be able to not only drive the basketball, but you have to be able to knock down shots. And I feel like, okay, if you can drive the basketball, that's terrific. You know, if you can rebound the ball, that's great. If you can assist the ball, that's great too. But you have to understand that if Joel Embiid to me is your best player and he's drawing double teams and you're going to be available for open jump shots, at some point you have to to develop this jump shot. You have to make defenses pay. And because he was unwilling to do that at this point in time, I just think that his trade value is not is not where it could be. And also too, the fact that the Sixers want so much in return for Ben Simmons to me is ludicrous you're not going to get everything that they are wanting and asking for uh for ben simmons and i just don't think that i can't see any situation right now where he would go to one team and they would drastically change the course of the franchise and that's just my thoughts with ben simmons in this whole situation again i have to do a little bit more homework and digging on this but uh you know i i do kind of agree with the fact that um it's been a little bit overdramatic here, and I think it's it's very interesting to me that, um, he, you know, he's standing firm with the fact that he he does not want to play another game um, for the Philadelphia 76ers. So it's, it's very interesting to me. So we'll see how this shakes out here. Um, I'm very excited here to talk about some more NBA action here. Um, I know we have a lot of hot topics to talk about here. Um, definitely be talking about a little bit more fantasy football stuff too as well Um, I know it's been one of those like wild fantasy football years because it's so much that um, there hasn't been a whole bunch of stuff that it's like um, you know a player that you just really didn't think you know, was going to do anything. And now they're just the hot topic. Like it's not too much of that happening on a week to week basis, but I have been surprised with some of the injuries that have occurred, whether it's been like AJ Brown, Julio Jones. Uh, how about the resurgence of Ezekiel Elliott here? I think if you drafted him, um, you're really excited. If you got Jonathan Taylor, you're excited, you know, with the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and, and now he's starting to turn the page, stuff like that. So, uh, and I think even now, from a rookie standpoint, if you got a rookie quarterback, um, I don't think Mac Jones was the guy that a lot of people were thinking, but he could be the guy that could turn out to be the best. Um, Trey Lance could follow that or, or move forward. Uh, I thought we would get a little bit better showing from Justin Fields at this point. We haven't. And same for Zach Wilson. You know, I think that's another guy that a lot of people thought he was going to do well. 
but he struggled uh, out of the preseason. And so I know preseason and season is two different things, but uh, those have been kind of the very interesting points, I think, if you're looking at fantasy football and stuff like that. But um, this is Rico, and I just want to go ahead and thank Hanker for uh, hosting our show. I want to thank our fans out there for chiming in on a week-to-week basis, the sponsors for putting sponsorship on the show here. Uh, this is Rico with Real Talk Sports, and uh, we will be back for another show. Take care. Mm-hmm.